Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here today with our guest, Jonathan Mann. He is the song a day guy and the co-host of the Digitally Rare Podcast with Matt Condon, one of the many Mads who we had on recently in episode 70. And I'm super excited to talk to Jonathan today about how he has managed to write a song every day for the last 12 years. So welcome, Jonathan. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm delighted. All right. Well, I, I have so many questions for you, but before, let's just start chronologically. Tell me who you were before you became the song-a-day guy. Who was Jonathan before all of this? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I could give you my whole life story. Cliff's notes are, I grew up in northern Vermont, near the Canadian border. There's nobody musical in my family or anything. Um, but I got really into Bob Dylan when I was 12 and decided at that point that I wanted to learn how to play guitar. And my dad bought me one for Christmas. And all my friends were to sports, you know. And I just was never into any sports or anything. I never had like a thing that was like my thing. And then, you know, but as a 12 year old, if you, if you like latch onto the right thing, that's like your thing, it's really exciting. And that's what happened. And it's almost like from that moment forward, I always knew that I wanted to make songs. Um, and so I don't know, I was doing a lot of stuff before Game Jew. I had this rock opera based on the Super Mario Brothers called the Mario Opera that I wrote and performed around Los Angeles is circa 2005, 2006 time. Um, and then YouTube launched in 2005 and I, I made an early YouTube show called Game Jew, which was like, <laughs> I was the Game Jew. And um, the, the only difference between Mario and Game Jew is that I wore these red overalls, but I didn't wear a shirt underneath them so it's just like this bare-chested mario um jewish guy running around los angeles like singing songs about video games and interviewing people and doing little skits um and then once that sort of what started winding down that was like right around when i started doing a song a day like 2009 so that's wow <laughs> That is quite the story. So it sounds like you've always been like pretty artistically inclined, even if you may not have realized it till you were 12. But it sounds like that was always a part of your DNA. It seems like it. I, it's funny because, yeah, when you know, when you're little and when you're younger, you, you don't really make those distinctions, you know. But yeah, certainly like learning guitar definitely like unlocked something inside of me that that I that I had no idea was there. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so you're doing all of this, you know, music stuff. And then at some point during that journey, you discover crypto and NFTs, and you've been in this NFT world from the very, very beginning. So 
Tell me how that happened. Like, how did you first get exposed to crypto and NFTs? What was it that piqued your interest? Like, how did you start wrapping your head around that back when, you know, like NFTs weren't really even a thing yet? Yeah, it, well, they weren't called NFTs. We called it crypto art or art on the blockchain or, you know, some other you know, Matt was like, you know, instrumental actually in like the name NFTs. Um, and it was like, are we going to call them nifties or we're going to call them NFTs? Like, what are we going to call these things? And NFTs stuck, which is like not my favorite, but you can't choose what, you know, it's like consensus. So my story is similar to Matt's actually. So if you go back and listen to his, um, I knew about the Bitcoin white paper. It came out right around the time that I started writing a song a day, actually. I started writing a song a day on January 1st of 2009, and the Bitcoin white paper came out right around then. I think it was like October of 2008, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. but um, And both song a day and Bitcoin were sort of a response to the, um, the financial crash. Bitcoin in a very obvious way and song a day because I was unemployed and I had nothing else to do. And so that's why I started writing a song a day. I was very much aware of it, you know, didn't make much sense to me. And then... At a certain point, it seemed very much just like, uh, you know, a thing that like finance bros do, you know, circa like 2014 or whenever that was when it was pumping the like really hard the first time. I remember my friend was like, oh, my God, I just, you know, Bitcoin's over a thousand. I made all this money. And I was like, that's cool. And it seemed very much just like a, a finance thing that that didn't interest me. And then in 2017, I was at a talk at a really cool conference called Fireside, which is like at a camp in the woods in northern Ontario, where it's very cold. And I saw this guy, Ethan Buckman, give a talk, and he's a dude who works on um, Cosmos, like the the, the blockchain, cross-blockchain thingy. And he gave a really great talk. He also sang a song, which I think helped. He said he, he played a, a song about the ICO scams that were happening back then called The Scam Train. There was something in his talk, and I don't know what it was, but it unlocked something for me where I started to to see that there might be some way in which blockchain could intersect with what I'm doing. And so I sent a tweet shortly after that conference saying like, hey, anybody know what, you know, how blockchain could intersect with what I'm doing? <laughs> a man named Boris Mann, no relation to me, he just happens to have the last same, same last name who's a great blockchain dude, responded and and um, sent me my first crypto. He sent me like uh, 0.1 ETH or something. And, and, and his whole thing was just like, download MetaMask. He helped me. Like, go play. Like, CryptoKitties weren't out yet. And CryptoPunks had just launched that. Uh, this was September and they had launched in June or July. And so when he showed me CryptoPunks, that was like the moment. That they like totally flipped a switch in my brain. I got it immediately. I mean, this is everyone who experienced CryptoPunks sort of experiences it that way. Um, it was pretty great though, and I was so thrilled. And I immediately wrote a song about CryptoPunks, and like sent it to Larva Labs and begged them to take me, you know, to let me take them to lunch. And we had lunch, and I like pitched them on my idea of I mean, this is like this is you know. September of 2017, I was like pitching them, like, help me build like CryptoPunks, but for my songs, like is what I was what I said to them. And they're very politely um, turned me down, but also encouraged me and said, like, this is a great idea. You should keep 
you should keep pursuing that. Yeah, from there, it just sort of, we had a whole run there, you know, where CryptoKitties launched and it was very exciting and all kinds of things were happening. And the community was very small back then. You could basically know everybody that was into NFTs. Um, Yeah, then Matt and I started the podcast and it became a whole thing. Awesome. For people listening who are like, I still don't get CryptoPunks. And obviously, these are people who don't have a CryptoPunk themselves and probably never will at this point. But for people like that, like, can you, I don't know if you can like put into words, you know, it's what, hard. like how, if, if, yeah, if you, yeah. yeah, if you don't get it, it's hard, right? But like the thing that got me was just, it's a feeling, right? It's just a feeling that I got the minute that I, sort of saw them. And what really did it for me actually was on the CryptoPunk site, one of my favorite things that they do that no other PFP project does actually. And of course, the idea that CryptoPunks is a PFP project is even like weird because that's, but that's essentially what it, what it's become, right? It's like, so anyway, but like you go to their website and what they have is this, you can click on it and it, you can put it into full screen and you can just sort of like, like zoom in and out and just, roll through a sea of CryptoPunks and just like all 10,000 of them, you can see them on one page and like you can go over here and look at that one. You could just see all of them there. And it was just so like, I don't know. It was, there was something about it. I just got it immediately. It reminded me of so many things from my childhood that I like to collect, you know, that was maybe like what that there was maybe a nostalgia factor. So if you don't have any nostalgic feelings about collecting things for me it was these things called muscle men they were like these little pink men the, you know same ideas just like they all look the same but they're all a little bit different so that's what it was and then and then the fact that on top of that that you could own it you know that you could that you could own this digital thing you know just blew my mind because the project would have been cool regardless right it would have been cool even without the layer of owning things just having 10,000 procedurally generated little punks is cool. It's it's rad. And then the fact that you can buy them and pe- and people were already doing that and it was like a there's a little community, a burgeoning community around that. It was just perfectly captured my imagination. Yeah, I I totally get that. Okay, so you start Song a Day on January 1st, 2009. When you started this, what was going through your head at the time? You were you just bored, unemployed? Was it a New Year's <laughs> resolution? Did you think you'd be doing it 12 years later? Uh walk me through that. So it was a it was a flyer that I got for something called Fun a Day, and Fun a Day is a project that still happens actually, and it's just an invitation to make one piece of art for every day in January. Yeah, exactly. I was unemployed. Uh, GameJew was no longer happening. And so I set out to write a month worth of songs in January. When that ended, I was still unemployed and it was going pretty well and I enjoyed it. Uh, And so I decided to aim for a year. And then when 2009 came to a close, I sort of made it indefinite and it's been indefinite ever since. So no, when I started, I didn't realize I'd be doing it, you know, 12, 13 years later, but here I am. <laughs> Lots of questions here. Uh, people want to know, like from Twitter to how do you get like the motivation to do this so consistently for 12 years? Because I think anybody who's been a content creator of any kind, whether they're a blogger or just, you know, an Instagram influencer, anything knows that the most challenging part of being a content creator of any kind 
is consistency is just showing up every day and doing it every day. So how do you, what's your secret? Um, the main secret is to go really easy on yourself. So another way of saying that is to basically not care <laughs> about what you're making. That's the thing that stops most people. I, I should preface by saying too, that like, I don't know that you know, making something every day is for everyone. I think that doing something every day for a set period of time is a really useful thing that can unlock things for people. But doing something consistently like what I'm doing is not necessarily like, there's lots of people who work completely differently, you know, who want to take a lot longer on a given thing. In terms of like making and completing something every day, be it for a week or a month or a year or whatever, the real secret is to just like, is to not care and realize that if you make something that's crappy, it's fine. And like, nobody's going to care either. Like that no one's going to hate you or think that you're bad or anything. Like if you make something bad, it's okay. Uh, you have permission. It's fine. And maybe it's not so bad, but you don't, we're also not the best judges of our work. We're often not good judges of our work. So uh, just to be super easy on yourself and and like make something and like get through whatever kind of fear and, and anxiety you have about that process and just do it anyway, regardless of how you feel. And it's OK if it's bad. That's that's the secret. It's OK if it's bad. Yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck in the process because they're such perfectionists about it. And so then like whatever they're trying to do, whether it's write a blog post, write a song, whatever, it just seems like this huge looming task because it's like, oh, if it's not perfect, then, you know, it's I, it's not good enough. And so then I'm like too scared to even get started. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a really good a really good um, exercise is to try to make something bad, specifically like set out from the start to make a, a bad blog post. Like, be like, okay, I'm going to spend this week and I'm going to write seven bad things this week. That's my goal. That's your goal. And you'll be surprised at what happens when you do that, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. I, th I think another big challenge on par with this consistency thing with writing a song for 12 years is how do you still have things to say and like content? Like, how do you come up with what to write about still? Can I share my screen? Is that something I could do? Our listeners uh, will not be able to hear this or see this. Rather, they will hear it but not see it. Oh, wow. That's it's okay. Tricky. They can go to the YouTube channel and check it out. Can you see this, what I'm showing yeah. you? Yeah. So this is, what, 13 years of song a day um, written out looks like. So what I'm showing on the screen is several large spreadsheets. And I have a spreadsheet for each year. And... Each year is tagged with a location, a topic, an instrument, a mood, what my beard was at the time, a genre, style, nouns, and proper nouns. And there's space for the length, the key, and the tempo as well. And so I show this um, to answer this question just because um, you can see here, actually, a good example would be to see the traits. Like, here are the topics. So now I'm showing a, a spreadsheet that just shows all the locations I've ever recorded in, all the topics I've ever written about, all the instruments I've used, and all the moods that, that the songs have been in. So there's a bunch of topics here, everything from you got COVID, debate, food, grandma, Harry Potter, instrumental, um, 
love, kids, NFTs, remix, social justice. I sort of think about it in this way that like, if there's no other topic that I'm going to write about, what it falls under is this like umbrella topic called poetic. And you can just make something about anything if you call it poetic. <laughs> so, you know, you could see on any given year, a lot of them do end up being, let's see, let, a lot of them do end up being poetic. So now I'm, we're looking at the spreadsheet for year four and we're looking under the topic section. You can see nerd, poetic, childhood, book, family, poetic, poetic, science, book, poetic, politics. Po you can see that poetic shows up a lot. And the reason for that is if I don't have an idea specifically, then I'm just going to write some words down. You know, I'm just going to write some words down and I'm going to make some music and it's going to be you know, a thing. It's just going to be a little song. Now, that's harder, I think, when you have like a blog post you have to write, like you have to, maybe it has to be about something. But I would say, I would challenge that again and say if like, if you really can't think of anything, just write anything. Just just start writing. Just literally stream of consciousness. And we go back to our um, idea of writing something bad, like set out to make something really dumb and just make it. Yeah. Do you ever just like sit around and you're like, oh, uh, lamp or like you're outside <laughs> and you're like, oh, scorpion. Yeah. And then yeah, there's, yeah. there's like the inspiration for a song. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, it depends on the day, but absolutely things like that, for sure. I mean, something I do a lot these days, actually, I've been improvising a lot. And that's a whole other sort of skill. It's a whole other muscle that you have to work out is like writing a song versus improvising a song. Um, but often on days when I don't have any ideas now, yeah, I just literally sit down in front of the camera and, and make something up. Do you go back and listen to your songs from the last 12 years? I do. So they're all on Spotify under song a day. And one of the things I do is I, after I've uploaded them, I'll go back and like listen to a couple months or a year or something. And that's often like my way of sort of figuring out which ones I like and which ones I might want to come back to someday and and rework or or repurpose for some reason. Um, so yeah, I do I do listen to them for sort of for that reason. It's sort of like mining mining the mining the song a day for the gems. Hopefully, yeah. I know. I was just wondering because I don't listen to my podcasts. And I feel like, a, do you listen to your podcast actually? And no, I'm curious. Uh, no, not not afterwards. But I do send it to Matt. I make, I edit it, and then I send it to Matt, and he listens to it for like quality assurance. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. The QA is needed, but um, just like for enjoyment purposes, I don't really find any enjoyment no. from doing that. Well, you already <laughs> heard it. You already heard the conversation, so you don't need to hear it again. Well, and I feel like when you listen back to your conversations, all you do is just sit there and critique yourself and <laughs> make yourself self-conscious about every little thing, all your little verbal tics, like everything you say, all the dumb stuff that's forever recorded out there for people to hear. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm sort of immune to that now because I yeah. <laughs> there's so much of it that I just I don't even think about it anymore, to be honest. That's true. That's true. Uh, <laughs> And then I know like not only do you record these songs, you also have a YouTube component to it and there's like some good production value there. So what what's the whole like start to finish process for you writing a new song? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I have a podcast that addresses that exact uh, issue. It's called As It Happens Song A Day. You can find it on any podcast app. And what I do in that is over 10 episodes, I walk 
the listener through in real time as I'm making a song, the process from beginning to end. Some days, and each each song starts from a different point. So some days I have an idea, some days I don't have an idea. Some days I start with the lyrics, some days I start with the chords, some days I start with the words. And you hear the process of me in real time, actually going through step by step what I'm doing. The answer to that question is everything. The answer to that question is yes, I've done that, you know, like, uh, th- there's not sort of a, a set way that I do it. It's it's very depends on so many different factors. But I but but I just try. You know, I've tried everything basically. Yeah. And what's your favorite song that you've written? By the way, I don't have a favorite. It sort of changes. It changes over time. Oftentimes, yeah. I don't know. I don't really have a favorite right now. Right now, right now, if somebody's like, okay, Jonathan, you have. I don't even know what twelve like. Uh, 4,600 some odd songs. Okay. So somebody is like hearing about this for the first time. They don't have time to go listen to 4,600 songs right now. What songs should they listen to right now that are like your proudest work or like the best depiction of you as an artist? Um, I have an album. So if you search on Spotify for my name, there's an album called I Used to Love My Body. That's some I'm the, the songs I made for that and then the songs I made for this other other podcast I made called Song of Knots are probably like production value wise and just like time spent and time kind of like thinking about those are the ones that I've I've spent the longest on that I'm sort of most proud of in that way. But, you know, it changes. It changes a lot. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you're writing these songs, 2009. Obviously, NFTs don't exist yet, not even close. <laughs> not even close. At some point, at some point, um, NFTs come into existence, and uh, you know, obvious connection there between your song a day and NFTs. Tell me how that process happened, and when you know you started to see the intersection between your song a day project and NFTs. Yeah, so like I said, it was CryptoPunks, and it was immediate. I mean, I was going back actually and reading some of my early, like, sort of, you can call them pitch decks on this topic. And they're, they are, like, they're from, like, September, October of 2017. This whole idea that, that CryptoPunks kind of, not invented, but invented in NFTs of images that are programmatically generated out of like a bunch of pieces through talking about with friends i came up with this idea and this is part of the idea behind what you see in the spreadsheet is all of these different you know things have um images that that uh go along with them so each song this was like part of the thing was like what i loved about cryptopunks i wanted to bring it to song a day can you see this each song like this is the topic airport and so what we're seeing now are illustrations made by Crypto Geisha um, for year three of Song A Day, Anxiety, Apocalypse. Um, and then what they all look like together is like this. And so, you know, we're very used to this now in the PFP world. But, um, you know, cr- back when I was starting this project, CryptoPunks was the only one that had done this. Um, and so it was still pretty novel at that point. So yeah, so Song of Day, I saw it or I see it as like just like CryptoPunks, one of ones. There's there's instead of being ten thousand of them, there's a there's a growing number of them by one every day. 
they each every year is going to be illustrated by a different illustrator. So year one was done by Defaced. Year two is be, was done by Eclectic Method. Year three is being done by CryptoGeisha. I have a bunch of other people lined up for the for the next years. Yeah. So so it was pretty immediate. Like in all of this, all of this existed in my brain as of 2017. As soon as I saw CryptoPunks, it was like it was it was like a flash. Are you going to go back and NFT your older songs, too, from like before NFTs were a thing? Yeah, yeah. So year year one is already sold out. Year one, we had a sale in March that sold out. Year two is very close to selling out. I think there's under 100 left um, last I checked. And then I'm launching something really big, TBD, but probably like in the late fall leading up. I mean, we're basically we're coming up into my... 14th year January 1st of 2022 will be the first day of my 14th year of writing songs if that makes sense so leading up to that I'm going to be dropping years 3 through 13 all at once each year is going to have a different illustrator They're e each song is going to cost 0.2 ETH and uh, I'm also at that same time launching a DAO it's called Song A DAO Entry into the DAO is just owning a song a day NFT. And one song a day NFT equals this might sound familiar if anyone knows Nouns Project, because I'm sort of because they do one thing like I'm, I feel a kinship with them with their one thing a day thing, um, even though they're only on day 23 or something. They're babies, they're little babies, baby thing a day. In song a DAO, the, the governance is done by owning NF owning song a day nfts so one song a day nft equals one vote in the dow so if you want to vote you know and there'll be lots of things to vote for um which i could get into but um and then we're also going to have a token called song it's a song token and the token you get 365 tokens just for buying a song a day nft and the and the token is used basically as a way to figure out a revenue split. This is most likely quite illegal or something based on the SEC stuff. Um, and I don't know how much I should say that out loud or whatever. That, I, that But from the very beginning, I wanted to have a way. Basically, this DAO is going to exist in Wyoming, right? Because Wyoming has the, the DAO bill. It's also one in Vermont, actually. And, and I'm from Vermont, so I feel like that might be cool. But the DAO is going to exist in Wyoming. It can exist as a legal entity there, right? As a, like an LLC. And so all of my actual copyright for all of my songs is going to be held by the DAO. So the DAO is going to own all of Song A Day itself. Um, so all of the royalties, the, the, the off-chain real world, Spotify, YouTube, all of those royalties are going to go into the DAO's treasury. And the idea for me is that the more you do to support Song A Day and make Song A Day, you know, be heard by people, the more Song A Day tokens you get, and by extension, the more, the more of a cut of the revenue split. But I should say my plan right now is to like have all of that be decided by the DAO. I don't want to decide all of this. You know, if you own Song A Day NFTs, you're in the DAO. You can come and vote for like how we're gonna do that. Do we want to like my <laughs> 
part of the way I'm thinking about it is just like kind of YOLO with the SEC. Just like if the SEC wants to come and like punish me, I think that would make for a really interesting song, frankly. Um, so I'm open to that. Um, obviously, I wouldn't want that to happen. But I just see this as a way to have, you know, to better align my incentives with the people who want to support me. It's like, if you want to support me, you can actually get skin in the game and be able to, you know, actually earn on the upside of whatever upside there is for, for Song of Day. That's the idea behind Song of Dao. I really like that. I was going to ask you about that because I've seen you tweet about it. Uh, but I couldn't really find any info. Yeah, it's um, pretty It's pretty under the radar. Very so stealth. Yeah. Are you going to make it where, like, you know how uh, the way that Mirror right now, like, will airdrop people write tokens? Sort of, like, based on a number of factors. It's not just based on, like, one thing. So w are you planning on doing that with your song tokens, too, where it's not just about, like, how many Song of Day NFTs you've, bought, you've purchased, but it can also be about, like, how often you tweet about it yep. or, you know, like... Exactly. Yeah. We we I've been talking with the folks who are helping me build this all about, you know, everything from commenting on YouTube, like how can we how can we, you know, gather all this different information and it's very complicated of course because most of the stuff is off-chain and there has to be a lot of coordination. Yeah, that's the idea. That like it's that that everything you do that would help Song a Day earns you these tokens. In fact, the tokens are are minted, they're like ready to go. The, the supply of them is the number of days that I would be writing a song a day if I do if I do it for a hundred years, which I think is thirty six thousand eight hundred and eighty nine. So if I if I live I have to live to be one hundred and twenty six for that to ha to happen. But if I could do song a day for a hundred years, it's thirty six thousand eight hundred and eighty nine, and the supply is that number multiplied by the number of days that I was alive before I started Song A Day. So it's the number of days before Song A Day times the number of days of Song A Day for 100 years. That's the total supply. I don't remember the total supply number. It's big. It's like in the 300 million range. Oh, and every day that I mint my song starting on January 1st is going to burn tokens me making the song burns tokens i don't know what the number is yet it's some it's some yeah anyway it i think it might be getting too complicated one thing i love about nouns dow is how simple it is like 4156 punk 4156 like made nouns dow dead simple it's like the most easy to understand thing and i worry sometimes like with song a day of like I'm becoming like the day trader person that I that I wasn't interested in being, you know, and suddenly I'm like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple. It's yeah. Kiss, right? Yeah. Kiss principle. Exactly. So you've been minting these songs as NFTs for a while, but you recently tweeted that you just deployed the first on-chain song as an NFT. Um, and then there was a whole tweet thread about, you know, how like, NFT art that everybody's into actually isn't on chain for the most part outside of a few projects. Can you explain this to people listening who are like, what, what are you talking about? Like, how's my NFT art not on chain? Yes, I would love to. And I feel like I'm, I'm 
maybe particularly good to explain this because it it took me a long time to understand it. And it was explained to me many times by many people, and I never quite got it kind of until relatively recently. So for that reason, you know, I think I can explain it pretty well because I, I it, it I, I'm not an expert to start with, like with what on chain means. What I'm going to say is probably very similar to the tweet thread. So if anyone wants to read that, you can find it on my it's pinned, I think, on my Twitter song of day man um so to start with like ethereum what ethereum is right is it's just a giant world computer and literally what that just means is that there's all kinds of computers all over the world and they are what ethereum is and what you do on a computer is you read and you write data and um writing data to ethereum because it is so big and large and slow is expensive. That's what gas is. That's what we do when we pay gas. We're writing to the computer. We're writing our data to the database. And so even the smallest image, the smallest like, you know, 500 kilobyte image is still too large to to write to Ethereum. It's just, it's too much data. It was too, it's prohibitively expensive. So what we do with NFTs, rather than write the, rather than like take the image and actually write it to the computer, we write something called a hash. And a hash is created by, you have an image and you feed it through this thing. And when you feed it through the thing, what you get is a long string of numbers, like 128 numbers or something like that. And... Basically, what it is, is every time you feed that exact image through the thing, you get the exact same string of numbers out. And if you changed one pixel on that picture, you would get a different set of numbers out. So it's, it's, a, it's an exact thing. It's very precise. Now, that's cool. And so what we write is we write the hash. So then what you're buying when you buy an NFT in almost all circumstances is you're buying this long string of numbers. So the example I give in the tweet thread is, you know, if, if Thanos had come along and snapped his fingers and disappeared all CryptoPunks, all images of CryptoPunks everywhere, all anyone who owns a CryptoPunk would have would be this hash. That's all you would own is this number, this long string of numbers. That's all you really own is that. Now, the way we check it, right, is that you have this hash and you have the CryptoPunk. You feed the CryptoPunk through the thing. Does it match the hash? Yes. Okay, you own that CryptoPunk. You know that that hash is the right hash for that CryptoPunk. Now, uh, Larva Labs, who made CryptoPunks, also made the first on-chain artwork called Autoglyphs. And the really cool thing about autoglyphs is that they're on-chain in two different ways. The first way is the way that most on-chain projects work. The way that most on-chain projects work right now is that they basically make a simple computer program that gets written on to the chain. Because a simple computer program is just words, right? It's just like text on a on a thing and so you can write out like a one kilobyte little little 
program, and that one little kilobyte program could generate art. Um, and that's what the vast majority of you know art blocks and um, deaf beef, all these different kind of generative uh, on-chain projects are doing. They're writing the instructions for the art onto the chain. So if someone snapped their fingers and they took away all the deaf beefs tomorrow and they all disappeared, what you could do is you could go onto the blockchain, which is everywhere, right? If they got rid of the art, the blockchain is still there because it's everywhere. Uh, and you could take that computer program and you could run it again. You just hit run on the computer program and it'll spit out your deaf beef for you. Oh, there it is. There's my deaf beef because I have the computer program to generate it. So that's what Autoglyphs did. They made the generator. They wrote the, gener the program onto the blockchain that generates Autoglyphs. But they went a step further, which is really cool, because Autoglyphs are so simple they're, they're, they can be translated essentially into ASCII art, which is just art that's made out of symbols on your keyboard, the plus sign and the greater than sign and the asterisk. And so using just these symbols, they were able to actually put the actual image of the autoglyph actually on chain. So you can go to their contract and pull up any glyph and you can see an ASCII art version. And what I like about that is that then you don't actually even have to run a computer program. What if I don't know how to run a computer program? What if, you know, what if the computer program breaks or what if, um, you know, for instance, Deaf Beef uses the, the language C, which is a very old language has existed a long time. But let's just say, you know, suddenly a hundred years from now, no one can run C anymore. It's like it doesn't exist. Then you might not be able to get them. But with autoglyphs, no, no shade to deaf beef. I love deaf beef. Let's not get carried away here. But with autoglyphs, you have the actual ASCII art on chain. So what you could do is just with a with a pencil and some paper and a lot of patience, you could painstakingly go and say, okay, first thing is a plus sign. Okay, plus sign. Second thing is a minus. Okay, minus. And then an asterisk and then a space. And you could recreate it right on there with by yourself with a pen and paper, right? So um, most projects don't do this. The, the two examples that I like are chain faces which is just uh, little faces made out of ASCII art. That's the same idea. And then um, Digital Art Chicks uh, ether poems um, are just like, you know, just a couple lines of a poem. Those can be written to, to the chain because it's just text. It's very easy. Those are the two different kinds of on-chain art. And then everything else we buy, literally everything else, uh, is just a long string of numbers that points to a picture. Yeah, I also liked your explanation in your tweet thread too about how like the, the way the hash and the art piece go, it only goes one way where you can verify the hash with the artwork, but you can't verify the artwork with the hash. So if like wherever the artwork is stored, if that server just died or the creator of it like decided to be mean and take <laughs> Delete it, it. Yeah. Then, then you can never recreate the artwork with the hash. Exactly. So all you're left with is this like million dollar string of letters and numbers. <laughs> That's exactly right. Thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not thrilling. Yeah. Yeah. Not the best. 
Um, okay, got it. Yeah, so hopefully that was helpful for people to understand. Uh, another thing that just happened recently is that you also recently fractionalized the first ever on-chain song with fractional.art. Uh, can you explain what that is? Like, what is fractionalization of NFTs? And then, like, why did you decide to do this? Yeah. So, to, so to back up a bit, like, like um, it, from Autoglyphs in 2019, it had been a dream of mine to put a song on chain. And um, music you can do because in just the same way, you can write a program that reproduces music. That's something that you can do. Um, and that's what most, that's what Euler Beats does. Um, the first one was called Unigrids. There's lots of on-chain. Oh, Death Beef is another great example. Like it's the music is great and it comes from the program. But I was like, I wish there was some way that I could write a song like I do and actually put that on chain. And so I was searching for like a language. And of course, music has a language. It's musical notation, which I happen to not be able to read. <laughs> I, I can't read music. But um, you can't write musical notation in plain text. Um, you need a program of some kind to write musical notation. So that doesn't really work. And what I discovered was this really cool musical notation language called ABC. And it is, quite simply, a plain text uh, musical notation language that humans can read you can write out a song in abc notation and if you know how to read this notation you can play the song so with a lot of work and a lot of like fudging and figuring it out we put the first song on chain using abc notation you know it's not perfect it's like not like the 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 best way to do it but I do think there's a lot of potential. And so I really hope that people learn about ABC notation and see the potential there for like, okay, you know, how how could we use this to actually start really generating things on chain? Um, so that was very exciting. And so I was gonna do a reverse Dutch auction for that. And then I canceled that and decided to fractionalize it um, because that seemed like a really fun thing to do. Now I will give the caveat here that I have I am in the place with fractionalization where I feel like I was with on-chain versus off-chain maybe like two years ago. So I've had it explained to me many different times and I still don't, I'm not at the point where I totally understand it. So I may get this totally wrong uh, and forgive me listeners if I do. So fractional.art launched there's another one called niftex n-i-f-t-e-x um and the idea is that you take and of course they're doing doge tomorrow they're doing the original i'm sure you've seen they're doing the original doge they're doing this with that as well you take a a single nft right which exists as a as a as a single unique digital object and I mean, the way I think about it in my head is you chop it up into a bunch of smaller pieces and it goes from being a one of one sort of non fungible thing. And if you recall, I'm so sorry, because talking about fungibility is the worst, but like fungible, Matt always said, 
if you have to explain fungibility, you've already lost. Like you've lost everybody. No one wants to hear anymore. But so fungibility means can you trade it as just like the same thing or as a different thing? So a dollar is fungible because a dollar is just like a dollar. But a song a day is not fungible because this song a day is different from this song a day. Um, and so, so this particular song, this on-chain song, is very special to me. It's the first on-chain song. So I took it and I made it go from being this one-of-one one thing that's non-fungible because no other song is like it to being the number of songs that I would write until I'm 100, 36,889 fungible pieces. So now it's gone from being the non-fungible one thing to being 36,889 fungible little pieces that now I have sent to anybody that owned a song a day as of last Sunday gets, I think, like 160 of these pieces of it. Um, now, the, the next step would be if someone were to come along and buy that song for the price at which I have it listed which is 123 ETH, 123 ETH, ABC notation, 123, that's my, everything Everything has to have a thing. Um, if someone were to come and pay that, then that payment would be split across everybody that owns these fungible tokens. The, and that that is the, that's the sort of um, upside for people, uh, you know, whereas owning a NFT is really a you know there's a there's at least for me a big part of like I like this thing and I want to own it because I like it. There is maybe a piece of that with owning a token. I want to own a piece of this thing that I really like. But there's also this other thing where if it gets bought, then I get to participate in the sale of the you know for instance the first the first um, on chain song or in the case of what's launching tomorrow the you know the the Doge meme like we can all own collectively this piece of internet history and um you know matt was just telling me on on um instant messenger that he thinks that very easily it could be worth a billion dollars someday you know this 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 meme and so if you buy in there's a little bit of alpha you know if you buy into to this doge thing which i agree with him like you know it's a very important meme and you've seen what happened with dogecoin that has no relation to the actual doge image this one literally is the doge image right and so we're owning you know fungible pieces of a non-fungible doge yeah this episode won't be going live till after tomorrow so unfortunately people won't be able to benefit last from your week alpha. yeah last week or whatever yeah yeah but anyone listening to this who did buy into this fractionalized doge is going to feel real good about themselves yes well and i the good thing is is there will i'm sure there will be a very robust market for you know here here's the uh, here's jo jonathan the the crypto trader uh finance guy coming out again but there will be like you know the doge the actual dogecoin dog coin whatever they're going to call it is going to have a market where people are going to want to buy it you know afterwards so that's going to happen yeah well and then when your songs get bigger too if like in the future you know like each song a day is going to cost you like five ETH, like most people can't afford that. And so then you could fractionalize each of the songs and people can just buy, you know, a, a fraction of it, like a petal of a flower. Yes. That, were you involved in that too? I wasn't. That no, that was Mass Project. Yeah, yeah, I was, I mean, I remember it. I was around for that, but uh, for, for his 
Terra Zero, the the flower thing was always very cool. I remember at the at his non fungible summit that Matt threw in 2018, he gave a flower token to the person who took the most beautiful picture of a flower that day. So that's sort of a a, a glimpse into the good old days of of NFT land. <laughs> <laughs> good old days, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Um, I wanted to talk to you about an, one last thing, not related to Song a Day, but it's another project that you had your hand in, and it's called the fucking trolls. Oh yeah. And I just have to say, like, this is not the kind of project or like art that I would typically have my eye on. But you know, I got in, you know, to like support Matt and stuff. And I, I have to say, like, after I got my troll, I like took like I like discovered this like other persona i have <laughs> that, like i didn't know existed and it just came out like the the trolls account on twitter is incredible because it just gives you an outlet to troll on twitter without feeling like you're being a jerk or being annoying <laughs> you know it's like this is what you're supposed to do you're supposed to troll you're encouraged to troll and it was like a really good like outlet for release. I mean, it still is. I'm so, 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 so glad to hear that because that uh, was was literally the impetus. Yeah. Um, our friend Chris Piasek, who did the art, came up with the idea for Trolls. And as soon as he sort because I was I came up with the idea, I wanted them to be circular. I wanted them to take up the entire profile picture and he was going through things of like what would work, like donuts was an idea or like tires or something. And then we he hit on trolls, like I could do trolls. I was like, yes, trolls, because we all need to have an alt. We need to like let out this aggression that is like bubbling up inside of us. Why let all the assholes have the fun when, you know, we want to have some fun too with it. And there's so many things, especially in my thing was like, especially in this world of NFTs that gets a little too self-serious sometimes and a little bit too like ponderous and a little too look at us. We're like the best, you know, you know, never going to make it going to make it, you know, like it's like, fuck you, you know? And so that's, that's what I want to do with the troll. I want to be able to go in and be like, you know, take the piss for a little bit. Um, and so I'm so glad that it worked for you that like, I felt the same way ha making my troll account. I felt the exact same way. It was like, Oh my God, what is this coming out of me? This is so fun. Like, it's just ridiculous. I didn't even make a separate account. I just used my own. But like, <laughs> I feel like on my normal Twitter, I can only post like semi-serious things or at least like whenever I, I, whenever I have like an aggressive thought, you know, about like how much I hate everything. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I can't say that on Twitter because I don't want to like be negative yeah. and like bring other people down, you know, or whatever. But then like whenever I see stuff on this trolls account or I like see other people posting about trolls, I'm like, yes, this is my chance yeah. to like let it all out. You know, someone pointed out that like, like, you know, um, Beanie or, or like Jimmy or like some of these people who, who like, they really do let it all hang out, but we actually have public personas. Right. And that's, that's maybe a little bit different. Like you host this podcast, like people know you, I do song a day, people know Matt, like we don't want to like alienate people with those thoughts and everybody has those thoughts, right? That's a normal part of being a human being. There's a dark side to all of us. That's like totally a thing that we all know that we all have. But we don't want to like lead with that online as ourselves. But it's a great outlet. And so that's that's what Trolls is all about. And um, we're working on some really 
really stupid cool things that are coming uh, for Trolls 2 that I think are going to really surprise everyone, I hope. No uh, no leaks on the podcast? Well, I've, we've announced, the thing that we've announced is that I, I think it's the first of its kind that we're doing. It's a, it's a, it's a PFP project, but it's with music. And uh, it's a generative music project that I made out of the trolls uh, um, layers. And I gener I made like 120 different layers of music and they're all being put together based on the trolls, the way that the trolls look. And Matt's putting together a really cool site to explain it. And uh, it's the first ever generative music PFP project where every single troll is going to have its very own unique song. Every song is going to be different. Oh, so cool. Yeah, I don't think anyone has done that yet. So that'll be hopefully in a couple weeks. Are are these going to be like, like I'm just picturing them being like metal, like heavy metal. <laughs> well, songs. it's funny you say that. No, they're, they're all very different. That's, that was the thing. They all found sound very different, but it's funny you say that because there's the, the most rare troll is called extra evil. And there's only one of them. And it's one that just Chris did by hand. It's like very, very scary and evil looking. So I did that one song completely separate from the rest. And that one is like, like, more metal than than metal <laughs> yeah I, I feel like that's the per i don't know I, I would feel a little strange if my troll just came out and sang this like happy song you know because <laughs> i feel like that's like not his persona yeah well we'll see it. it's all know. it's all very minor so don't worry it's 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 all in keeping yeah it's all pretty dark yeah yeah okay i'm down for that <laughs> i can't wait for that i'm really excited i'm really excited yeah as long as you have trolls you'll be able to claim it's a one-to-one -one thing. So every troll has a song. So you'll claim, and it's, it has a little record that spins with the troll's face in the middle. It's very oh, nice. Yeah, it's when is this coming out? Now I'm like just getting impatient. <laughs> couple couple weeks. We were just talking about it. It's it's getting very close. Nice, nice. I'm super pumped. Cool. Um, last question for you before we wrap up here. If you had to, like, you know, if if you could like pick yourself up and put yourself ten years into the future. What does our world look like oh with how God. people are interacting with NFTs, crypto, all of that? Just give me your best prediction. Oh, specifically with what the NF, what what it looks like in this sort of zone that we're in. Yeah, but I mean, assume, like, it, I guess it depends if you think the zone we're in is going to be part of like everyone's daily life or not. You know, because then, yeah. Man, it's so hard to imagine. Um, it's like trying to imagine you know, going from the year 2000 to the year 2010, right? Like, like, or the year 2010 to 2020, like so much happens in those years. Um, yeah. Give me your wildest prediction. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my, you know, I get a lot of this from Matt, like my biggest overarching thing about the technology of NFTs is that when it becomes, you know, when the technology matures and it becomes um, more ubiquitous, I think what I hope will happen is that there will be a whole other sort of way of being online in which everyone will own everything that they make. Every single word you write, every single post you make is going to actually be yours. 
as opposed to Google's and Facebook's. Um, it's just the sort of a fancy way of saying like owning your data. But when we say owning your data, like what that means is, you know, your search history and just like everything is going to belong to you and you will be able to decide how it's used. Maybe you want to sell it to an advertiser and make money directly that way. Maybe you don't like um, that to me is sort of like the 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 real potential underlying all of this is like that the data that we create every single day online that is now the pr the property of these large quite evil corporations will be will belong to us you know via some blockchain whether it's you know yet yet to be invented or or, or ethereum or whatever it is yeah, I'm a big believer in that too, and I hope we get there. I hope we do all the right things along the way so we get there. I hope we have a world. I hope the world still exists in 20 years. That's one thing I'm not entirely <laughs> positive of most days. My doomer, my doomer uh, sensibilities come out pretty quick uh, when I start thinking about. <laughs> That's the song a day troll coming out a little bit. <laughs> We should probably end this before the troll comes out full force. Oh, yeah, uh, look out. <laughs> I know. Before you go, Jonathan, uh, first of all, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Before you go, tell people where they can find you, if they want to connect with you personally. Tell people also where they can go to check out your song-a-days, buy a song-a-day NFT, um, do all these cool things. Yeah. Plug the trolls too. Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, everything song-a-day related happens at songaday.world. Um uh, I don't know if you listen to this when you're listening to this, if there's still any available, but in the middle of the fall sometime, there will be, you know, a big drop of like 4,000 song a day songs there on the page, after which there will be a daily auction happening on songaday.world every single day uh, for the foreseeable future. You can find me on Twitter at songadayman. Uh, I'm on Instagram at jonathanman. Yeah, those are all, those are good. Those, oh, and fucking trolls is fucking trolls.lol. You can find us on OpenSea. Uh, we're creeping up to a 0.02 floor right now. So get them while they're cheap, because I feel like when we put out this generative music project, people might freak out a bit. I hope at least. Yeah, for sure. And it's man <laughs> with two ends man with for two people ends. who are listening to this. Yeah. Cool. Thanks again so much, Jonathan. Thank you listeners for tuning in as always. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you, and thanks again for listening. <laughs>